Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to call in the ancestors to join us here today. I'd like to call out to all those who are good and true and beautiful in your ancestral line to bring to you and to bring to us, to bring to this conversation, the energies and the experiences and the wisdom of those who have gone before us, those who struggled with hopelessness, with depression, with a feeling that it wasn't worth the effort to do what their heart longed to do. We call out to those ancestors who struggled with these energies and found a way through into the passions of their soul to do what they came into this life to do. We call them to join us here today to help to hold us well in this conversation that we might discover a new way to hold and understand the depression within our own lives and those of the people that we love. We call out to the energy of the earth to be with us, that most ancient ancestor. We call out to this energy and give thanks for all that has been in our life that has brought us to this moment for all that is and all that will be. We give thanks for this opportunity to share this miracle of life on this beautiful planet, to be grounded here and now and to belong to this family of humanity, of the elements, of nature, of the animals, of all that is life here on this planet. We give thanks for this wondrous experience and ask to be better able to be a part of it. We call out to the energy of the sky above and we call that energy down to bring us inspiration and blessing on this day, to bring us protection and to hold us well as we continue this conversation about using shamanism to transform our understanding of healing and of disease and illness. Let us be inspired in this day and know the greater benevolence of our universe. And finally, we call out to the energy of the heart to be with us here today in this conversation to open and to receive to feel the energies of the belly that burn with the passion of why we are here and the clarity of the mind and its ability to bring that which is inscrutable into vision that we might merge that with our true soul's purpose and become clear about why we are here in this life. So with all of these energies called in, we give thanks for their presence here today and we continue our conversation about shamanism and its ability to help us to transform different aspects of what we would now call mental illness. Um, And today our topic is transforming depression. And persistent depression is actually one of the most common, um, one of the most common presenting problems that I get when I um, do intake with new clients. And this has been true from the very beginning of my practice two decades ago. And What I see in this is that depression is basically the the simple and most fundamental result of us not living our soul's purpose, us living far from path, and all of these things we've discussed in one way or another probably in every show that I've done. But more importantly, what I've noticed over the last 20 years, and these have been, of course, the years in which we've begun to engage in these mood-altering pharmaceuticals, is that people have stopped saying, I would like to not be depressed anymore, which is a totally legitimate thing to want. They've begun to say, I want to not feel anymore. 
as if somehow with the presence of these mood-altering pharmaceuticals, we developed a cultural expectation that we should be even at all times, that we should somehow not have the rise and fall of emotions um, in our day. And this is a false expectation, and it's a very unhealthy expectation. And one of the things that is very, very prevalent as people develop a relation, working relationship with spirit and become happier and healthier in their lives, get their soul parts back, become more full and more active, so you start to see a much more varied and colorful and rising and falling and up and down and in and out kind of emotional life emerge. It's very much like the emotional life of a child in its innocence and delight without the irresponsibility of the tantrums and the other things that happen in childhood because basically you're frustrated that the big people aren't doing what you want them to do. So consequently, I've seen this change in our cultural understanding or expectation or even desire for what we want in terms of what a healthy life would look like, what what people are asking for when they sit across the um, from me in a session and, and try to describe for me what it is that they want to create with their life. So I would like to put forward the hypothesis here today that having a healthy, vital, changing, responsive, varied, and passionate emotional life is part of well-being. And it's definitely an aspect of spiritual well-being. To respond appropriately to what is around you in your day, to respond appropriately to your life, is critical for a person who is balanced and in a state of well-being. There are many, many things that happen in today's world that require a just response, a just response of outrage or praise. And these these responses need to happen in a good way, in a productive way, so that the changes that need to happen can happen. The things that need to die can die, and the things that need to be born can be born for all of us. So I would like to suggest then that accepting ourselves as the Prozac nation and moving into a cultural norm where we simply don't want to feel anything anymore is hell, is a really good example of living hell. And I would like to suggest that we strive for well-being. And thus, shamanism enters the picture. So, as I've said before, that we're simply exploring today a shamanic view on healing um, and what it offers that is different from a naturopathic view or a homeopathic view or an allopathic view or any of the other totally valid systems of healing. So we're not talking about right or wrong. We are just talking about possibilities. And one of the things that I find is as we look at a situation from a different perspective, we see different dynamics in it, um, and since we need to look at the dynamics that need to transform, it's very important to be willing to look um, with new eyes when we're stuck so that we can see the dynamics differently and the transformation. So many of the shamanic remedies we've discussed in many shows, um, particularly the one we were talking about addiction two weeks ago, also apply in terms of depression. Depression is sometimes the result of the, not the result, the symptom of soul loss. In other words, you lose a part of yourself that is critical for your well-being, for your passion, for your heart, or you lose enough of yourself that um, 
we're simply unable to maintain the drive and the passion and the will and the balance and the everything that's necessary inside of ourselves to move towards our soul's purpose. And as a result, we end up depressed. And so often, soul retrieval work that is then integrated once the parts are brought back can help people to find relief and release from their depression. Sometimes depression um, is the result of some kind of power loss. And in this case, the symptoms usually emerge um, more as a sense of growing helplessness. And the helplessness usually has kind of a flavor to it, which would be, okay, so we're talking about power loss. And so the helplessness is usually what comes from the kind of person who is really trying, either with their therapist or in their life or maybe in many different ways, and they're simply not getting any change. So this is um, a sense of hopelessness as we continue to try and we still end up without enough energy to do whatever it is that we've come to do. This is often pointing to power loss as an aspect of the depression. Now, when we start talking about what we would probably call more sort of classic depression, which is just this darkness that descends upon people's lives and they can't act, they can't move, they can't function, um, and they can't often feel that they can do anything. Like sometimes it feels you can't even breathe unless you take your medication. That kind of depression, those symptoms often emerge from, can emerge because of um, a need for some kind of depossession or extraction of energy. And um, again, I would refer you to Betsy Bergstrom and her perspective about depossession or this idea um, she's brought forward of overshadowing where there's just so many energies present here in the middle world where we all live that we and they they want to go to the light and the brightest light they can see around is living and they attach themselves to the living not in any demonic sense but just because they're trying to get some light to make things move in their lives and so this is um another um time where it's possible that some depossession or extraction work would help someone feel freed from their depression and all of these Frankly, for those of you that don't really know about shamanism in America today, all of these remedies are used to deal with depression every day in America with shamans all over the United States. It's not even uh, alternative in a sense anymore. It's common. Why? Because people are happy for the relief they get from their antidepressants, and I am not remotely dissing antidepressants, but the reality of antidepressants are they help us to cope, and once we've restabilized and and are able to cope, it becomes very clear again that coping is never enough for the heart. And so because of that, people all over the United States are looking for things in addition to their therapy or their psychiatrist and their Um, pharmaceuticals to actually deal with what the root of depression is. And depression is almost always first a problem of the soul, of the heart and soul. And that from a shamanic perspective, it's that energetic state that then creates the chemical state in the brain that we are treating with the pharmaceuticals. It's not that that's not real, but there's definitely a different perspective about which is the chicken and which is the egg. And so the thing to remember is that coping simply isn't enough. And so while 
many people actually would like coping to be enough. <laughs> they really would like to just take a pill and continue on in their life as it is. Many, many people talk about, I want to go back to when it was good. I just want to take a pill that lets me go back to when it was good. But what's usually happening, if good isn't there anymore, is that your heart and soul don't agree. It wasn't good enough for them. And they are conspiring with your life to get you to deal differently. And that is often what is truly underneath your depression. So thank you everyone for joining me here today. We will continue our discussion about depression after this break. Welcome back everyone. This is your host Christina Pratt and we are speaking today about using shamanism and shamanic perspectives of things to transform our understanding and our ability to work with depression. So after last week's show, we got a question which actually is very appropriate for today. And this listener wrote in via email, um, what can I do if I have a a friend, family member suffering with a mental illness, in this case depression and slight social paranoia? She is not part of a community as she has withdrawn herself more and more over the last five years. It is painful to interact with her. What can I do? Well, there's a whole lot of things to do, but the only ones I'm qualified to tell you about are the shamanic things, and so we'll start there. So... The first thing, I mean, ultimately what we would like to do is open up a person to information about shamanism so that they can read or listen to other people's stories and hear themselves in those stories, see themselves in those stories and recognize that in that person's healing there is a possibility for their healing. Um, One of the great beauties of Sandra Ingerman's book about soul retrieval is so many people found themselves in the pages of the stories of the other people who shared so, with, this, with these people, though, one of the first things to recognize is that your discomfort with them is diagnostic and you should trust it. Now, I do not mean you should go diagnosing them. What I mean is often it is uncomfortable for us because they are so filled with emotions that are not being expressed that they overwhelm or impact anyone around them. And so our own emotional body begins to be played like an instrument by their unfelt emotions. And so, in other words, we often very literally can feel what it is that they are feeling but not feeling because they're depressed. So not that this should get you all on your high horse to tell them what's going on for them, but more it gives us a place of deep empathy to, to just be with them and to accept them as they are without trying to change. Depression is so painful, there's an awful lot of trying to get out of it. And so what we, what we offer as those outside of that is we are the container for the possibility of their healing. And so the first thing we need to do is to hold them and accept them as they are. And if they are loved ones or friends or people who will listen to us and can engage with us, we have the opportunity then to remind them of who they are. We accept them as they are. But in the interaction over a cup of tea or whatever, you might be able to remind them of who they are, to ignite something in their belly or in their heart of a memory of who they are and a reason they might want to move out of this place that they are in. And then the next thing we can do as the person holding space is when the opening presents itself, when the person 
asks, when the person does something that offers a true opening, that we offer the information without expectation or bias. We offer it freely as a gift. And then we also offer it without judgment of how many times it takes to offer the same thing. Depression, for those of you who have not experienced it, is incredibly debilitating and is very hard to act. And we all know from our own lives, even if you're not depressed, it's hard to act with discipline day after day. And it's going to take some discipline to get out of depression. And so we need to be willing to offer that information to that depressed person in a way that is not energy draining for us, in other words, when the opening is there, and offer it again and again without judgment because it may take a few times for it to hook on to something that they can do something with. So that's my best offering for now about what you could do, just right off the bat. Anybody could do with someone, a loved one, or someone in their circle of people who is pulling away in depression or mental illness. So as we go forward here, let's talk for a minute here. Let's talk turkey here for a minute. Okay, so when is shamanic healing definitely going to be helpful in someone dealing with depression? When the meds don't work. And this is a classic symptom that there is a shamanic problem at the root of whatever the problem is the person's experiencing. And this is particularly true with depression. And I have seen this time and time again. Pharmaceuticals work. They work great with people. With people for whom they really don't work, High, high dosages are required, can't find the right med, etc. Usually that's because the real source of the problem simply isn't going to be affected by the pharmaceuticals. I worked with a woman for a long time, and the entire time we were working together, she was even a student, um, she was on um, um, pharmaceuticals. I didn't know that. And she never mentioned it. She just had gotten so used to coping in that way, it just did never come up. And then when we did the ancestral work in the fourth year of the training, she dealt the entire time with the same kinds of ancestors that were just utterly and deeply invested in believing and proving that life was a gloomy affair and there was no other option. This was the most depressing group of ancestors I've ever seen clustered around one poor human being. And what she came to realize after that experience of working with those ancestors is that her depression didn't have anything to do with her. It was simply this huge, overbearing energy coming down through all four lines of her ancestral line with this deep investment and belief that life is a dreary, drudgery, awful affair and there isn't any other possibility. And so once those ancestral energies were cleared, she was able to back off whatever the highest level of medication for whatever she was taking was to something very, very minimal because the dosage she had been taking became toxic immediately for her, to something very, very minimal, which she was on for some period of time to detox off them and then got off them. So this is a sign for her, was one of many stories, where the fact that the pharmaceuticals don't work is almost always a sign that some aspect of shamanic healing will help. Now, what if shamanic healing isn't helpful? or is only partially helpful? You know, what if there's something else going on? So ultimately, we need to transform the situation. So let's think of it this way. 
instead of seeing depression as a disease to be cured or a problem and we want to get back to the good days or the whatever was behind us, let's think of it as the logical conclusion of your belief system. In other words, depression is a sane and inevitable response to the set of beliefs that are currently running your show and telling your story. So, in other words, in my life, my depression became began very early, pre-adolescent, and continued to escalate and was probably really peaking in my college years. And And as I look back now at the things that helped me out of that depression, what I see is it was simply the logical conclusion of the sum total of my life in that time. There was soul loss. I was taught in my family of origin that my emotions were far too big and would never be acceptable, so I didn't get to feel what I was feeling. Um, the thing that saved me was dancing, but in the periods of time in my life when I didn't dance, I really crashed into depression, really descended into deep depression, because dancing was the one thing that allowed my energy and my heart to express. Let's see, so there was soul loss, there was the family beliefs about emotions that were not as functional as they could be, um, cultural beliefs about women at that time and what they could and couldn't do and should and shouldn't do. Um, anyway, you get my point. Basically, the, the complex of ideas coming together that created the complement of all of the belief systems that were running my show and telling my story in my life the logical conclusion, the sane response to all of it would be to be depressed. So the issue then is not the depression. In that case, the issue is to transform the pattern of beliefs. So what will happen if you pursue this path then? You will need to be willing to break the pattern somewhere and to support that one step of breakage until that one step becomes a new energy pattern which means this will take will and discipline. And this is, of course, the challenge when we're depressed, as we are definitely lacking in will and discipline. So it is a challenge, and it also will require the ability to begin again a thousand times. To begin again a thousand times. And however, often, Depression has nothing to do with the... Well, it has everything to do with the chemistry in our brain, but so does nutrition, right? That depression has to do with the logical conclusion of our life at that time, what we're eating, what we're doing, what we think we're supposed to be doing, how we're feeling, how we're not feeling, all of these things. And so what the path is then, in this case, if we follow this path with depression, then what we're looking for is where is the weak link in this pattern of belief that is running my life and telling my story. And once I find that weak link, what modality can I use to exploit it? In other words, what will allow me to tap that weak link and change my relationship with it? Because it's all about your relationships with your belief system. So in other words, if the weak link is feelings, is something emotional, then sitting in therapy and talking about it isn't going to help. You can sit in therapy and talk about it till you're all blue in the face, and it isn't going to change things because it's not the best modality for emotions. Try art therapy, movement therapy. Try just ecstatic dance. Try your own 
expression of the movement that wants to come out of what you're feeling. You don't even need to have it shaped by someone else. But the point is, find the weak link and find the modality that matches it. And the beauty of shamanism is if you can't figure that out, the helping spirits can figure it out for us. So, we're going into a break now, but we will continue as we return with other ideas, other ways to look at depression so that we are more able to transform it and live the life that we have come here to live. Thank you, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we are talking about transforming depression through shamanism. So I want to go back to something I said that was actually pretty critical if we're really dealing with um, deep depression um, in the last segment, which is that will and discipline will be required, and it is hard to muster when we're deeply depressed. That is, from my perspective, one of the best reasons to take your medication, if you need it, is to be able to muster some will and discipline. However, I offer another perspective to that, which is that often that's what we get from our initial experiences with shamanic healing, that we receive a soul retrieval or a power retrieval or some kind of return of our own essential energy that brings into that belief system that we're stuck in, you know, the one that is running the show and telling our story, that that belief system um, receives then this infusion from the soul retrieval or the power retrieval that allows us to find the will and the discipline necessary to to take that one step to break the pattern and then to hold on and to use the discipline to make that one step our new pattern. And from there on, that system as it is, is vulnerable to us. And so often, it's, that's what the shamanic healing gives us. It's not the whole answer, the whole cure to your depression, but it may be along the way the infusions of energy that you need to take the next step in your overall transformational process. And let's face it, that's the issue behind all transformational processes, is having the will and the discipline to stay with the new thing until the new thing becomes the new pattern. And the ability to begin again a thousand times, to fail and begin again without flogging yourself. The flogging really doesn't serve anything. So, moving along here with these ideas about how to approach depression. Another way to think about depression is to think of it purely energetically, to get out of the stories and the drama and the family of origin, blah, 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 and all of that, which you've probably talked about forever in therapy, and think of it purely energetically. So from a Taoist perspective then, depression would be diagnosed as excess yin energy and heart deficiency. So what does that mean? Well, yin energy is basically the energy from which our expression comes. So it's the lake. It's the pool of energy that is dark and cool and waiting to be stirred by our passion into expression, which is the yang energy. So yin and yang energies are simply different phases of the same energy called chi. That's everything in a nutshell. So excess yin energy leads to often to depression, as well as heart deficiency. So, what's the cure for excess yin? Well, a cure, when we're thinking about Qigong and these different applications of this Taoistic system, the cure for um, excess yin energy is moderate yang and then deep yang. So, what does that mean? 
So it means in terms of a Qigong practice, if you sensed in the morning um, a depressive state, that you would warm up and begin your practice by doing moderate yang energies to begin to stir that yin energy into movement and then dive into these deep yang energy because the whole point of excess yin is it's a huge source of goodness. It's just in an excessive state and needs to be brought into balance, so it needs to be transformed and moved into yang, thus the deep yang energy. So how can this possibly apply to you if you know nothing about Qigong? Well, let me share with you a story that we all know and love, which is the story of needing to do our taxes. I am horribly irresponsible about keeping up with my taxes because based on the really fun shamanic stuff I do in my life, keeping track of my receipts seems really boring. And frankly, I'm really irresponsible about it, and I often end up at the end of the year looking at an entire year worth of receipts to enter into my Quicken program. And yes, that's a horrible thing. It takes a long time, and I hate it and avoid it and wait until the last minute and have to fire an extension. And it's just, it's not pretty. It's really not pretty. So I happened to be um, a couple years ago in that place where I really, really had to do the taxes. The deadline was coming. And in my personal work, the energies that were arising were really um, where these deep depression from my early childhood was still locked in my body. And I haven't actually been depressed much at all since my shamanic initiation. That was a big fix. But I do at times become, in my own personal transformational work, tap back into some of those deep issues from my past. And I really felt that every time we got into this body work, into this deep place, was held in my structure and my posture, was this deep, deep depression from my early childhood. Deep, deep depression. And this is like depression because the world isn't right. I mean, just like ridiculously insurmountable depression. So I was in one of those phases where I was accessing this huge amount of depressive energy, even though basically in my life I wasn't depressed. It was coming out of this, this deep body work. And I decided to look at it as a resource instead of a problem. And I needed it because I needed young energy to get those taxes done. And all I had was this huge pool of depression. And so I got out my little diagnostic book. So I would get up in the morning, and in my meditation first, I would tap into the depression feelings, go deep, just wade right into them, right into all how crappy the whole thing felt. And then I would rename it from depression, which is a whole lot of something I didn't want, to excess yin, which is a whole lot of something I did want. So I would make that shift in my meditation. And then I would stay connected internally to this vision of this huge lake of all of this excess yin energy and begin my practice with this moderate yang, qigong work. And my whole practice was moderate yang. And then I would walk into the room, sit down, and go into the deep yang of that mental work of all of that tax stuff. And I literally did a year's worth of tax entering and calculating and everything in four days. It usually takes me five times that long. It was incredible. But just that ability to simply stay out of the story, treat it all as energy, and simply transform it from yin to yang through the discipline of qigong, really. And I'm a novice. 
So I can't even imagine what a master could have done. But it sure was effective, and it sure got my taxes done. So here is another piece, though, of depression. It's not just excess in energy. It's also heart deficiency, if we're really in depression. I mean, this was all depression surfacing through body work in that past story, so it really was just excess in energy. But if we're in it, in the present moment, it's not only excess in energy, but it's heart deficiency. And so the remedy, then, would be moderate heart energies and then deep heart energies. So what could that mean for you today? Remember what we talked about in the beginning of the show. Coping is never enough for the heart. So what if you were to sit in meditation each morning for five minutes and simply ask, let your awareness move down into your heart, well, ground your energy first, as we've discussed before, ground your energy, feel your boundaries, allow your awareness to move into your heart, and ask your heart, what would be enough for you? What do you truly desire? Pick the question that's right for you to find out what your heart is trying to tell you. Because coping isn't enough. Coping is necessary to find the will and the discipline to make the changes understood. But ultimately, is not enough for the heart. It keeps the heart in a state of heart deficiency. So it keeps the heart in depression. So in other words... Those things we do to cope with our depression will prolong our depression, ultimately, because they keep our heart in a deficient state. So you need to use those tools wisely. Use what allows you to cope wisely to take action to move into a place where your heart is expressed, is no longer deficient. So the question would be, five minutes, that's all we're asking, five minutes to talk to your heart. What would be enough for you? And the surprising thing you will find is that the heart is boundless. It's absolutely boundless in its desires and its passions and its capacity for love and joy and laughter. The heart is an amazing, amazing organ that is so much more than its physical presence in our life. And the heart has its own wisdom and its own language in the emotional world. And if you're a very intellectual person, you can go read emotional intelligence as a way in. If you're a feeling-based person, just tune in and feel it. If you're a movement-based person, dance what's going on in your heart. The heart is boundless. And in the very, very center of the heart is pure wilderness. It is a wild thing. And it wants a wild life whatever that is, whatever. And to do what is your true soul's purpose is a wild life because it's never been done before. No one's ever done it. It's a wild life. And that's what your heart is here for, that wild ride. And that is why coping is not nearly enough in the long run. And so, again, you must accept yourself where you are and then speak to your heart to remember who you truly are and allow that energy of the heart to remind you of what you might be a moderate heart action today that can lead you to deep expression of your heart. So we're going to a break now, everyone, with that thought. Think of your heart through the next little break, and we'll be back. 
to speak some more about transforming depression through shamanism. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we're talking about transforming depression through shamanism and through looking at depression with different perspectives. So one of the things I haven't been very responsible for saying today as I've been talking about depression is just each of these different ways of looking at depression has come to me through working with clients who are depressed. In, in, in different ways, the spirit world has offered us to look at the problem and to guide us in the kinds of questions that arise if you look at it um, from the perspective of being the logical conclusion of your current belief system or looking at it through this yin-yang, just purely energy perspective. And so the point is that we look at it from a different perspective. And if we can't answer the questions ourselves, that we can work with spirit to get those initial answers, to help to move us out of this place of not knowing and not feeling, not intuiting, which is often one of the big problems of depression is we can't feel anything. Intuition, emotions, um, whatever. Uh, we just can't. And so part of the value of having a working relationship with spirit, so you have direct relationship with your own helping spirits, is as the answers come to you, because you know, your mind might be working in depression, you can get the answers from spirit and take action on them in the trust of your relationship with your helping spirits and be able to get some movement that can then open up the feelings and open up the intuition and open up the, the other aspects of the internal guidance that are going to help you move along the way of depression. So before I go into this last way of looking possibly at depression, I want to share with you another piece which is simply depression can be actually a healthy response to a situation. It's not always pathological. I mean, we've created this very strange idea, as I spoke in the beginning of the show, about emotions and depression. Stuff can happen where being depressed for that day or for a little while might be a healthy response to that. The issue is when we start living there. The issue is when the depression begins to overshadow everything. Right, So let's not panic just because the logical conclusion of our day is to feel depressed at the end of the day. Some days are that way. The issue is, are we able through our practices, through our relationship with spirit, through music, through song, through dance, through friends, through our life, that which supports us, to come out of that depression, or are we stuck there? So we're talking about what happens, what to do when you're stuck there. So a third way that I've learned from spirits to look at depression, and this is going to sound really simplistic when I say it, it's kind of like, well, duh, but there's a reason we call it depression, which is really kind of an odd thing. It's a very odd word, but ultimately, and this is, this for me was actually pivotal with my helping spirits, is when they simply ask me, well, what are you pressing down? And I began to understand how desperately, how much energy, how hard I was working to basically sit on this lid, on this pot of emotions that were just boiling over. Not because there was anything wrong with them. They weren't even necessarily angry. They were just tired of being stuffed in the pot, not allowed out. Emotions must flow. It is their nature. They must express. It is their nature. Our task as humans, as we evolve from children to grown-ups, is to learn how to be in right relationship with our emotions and express them 
authentically, but also responsibly. And most of us, almost every single American, frankly, got really unhealthy messages about their emotions. And particularly in our culture, huge gender divide over men and women and what they should and shouldn't feel emotionally. And it's just simply not true. We're human. We have a huge emotional intelligence. Our heart must be engaged in our life if we ever want to live authentic, authentically and live our soul's purpose. We must learn the language of our heart and our emotional life if we're going to live in a state of well-being. If you want to live authentically, to live passionately, and to have a life of meaning and purpose, the only reason you would ask for that is because you want to feel it. Not because you want to know it intellectually in your mind or be rewarded for it. It's because somewhere deep inside of you, at the root of who you are, you know that you need it for your well-being to express yourself. So this is what we're looking at here when we look at depression very simply as this dynamic of how our ego identity has got our will engaged in keeping the lid on our entire emotional self because most of us got trained in this culture that that was necessary for survival. It's really that simple. And you know what, people? Everybody all together now, it's just a choice. It's not reality. It's the reality you've been living. But you've been living it because you chose it, because you got trained as a child. It was the healthiest, safest choice to make. Well, unchoose it. You have that power. You have that capacity. That is one of the greatest gifts shamanism gives us for people that are just doing their own core shamanic practice, meaning working with their own helping spirits, is you and your helping spirits can expose any belief, any choice you have made about how to see the world and transform it. And if you can't do it alone with your helping spirits, you can go to a shaman. That's the easiest thing to do through shamanism because these are just choices. They can be unmade. They need, to, they need to be unmade. They need to be deleted and released. Thus, the beauty of a fire ritual. But it is simple, people. You do not need to talk about this for years with your therapists. This is one of the simplest things we can accomplish through shamanism is to ferret out that errant belief, to transform it, to release it, to clear it, and to put in place the new, healthier, more vital, and undepressed belief. So... The big thing here that I'm working my way around to is that really the root of depression is just having a fundamentally bad relationship with our emotional life and our emotional self. Not because we're bad people or we're stupid, but because that's how we survived to get here. And you know what? You're here. You're alive. You're a grown-up. You can make a new choice. So... What we need to understand, regardless of your cultural programming, is whether you are a man or a woman, you must give yourself permission to feel. Because one of the things that gets created in life is emotional dams, soul loss, beliefs, um, power loss. Many things create emotional dams. In other words, a certain kind of emotion gets dammed up and we're not allowed. We don't allow ourselves to express it. And so we become more and more afraid of expressing it at all in our life because we're afraid if we do it a little bit, it's going to come flowing out from the dam. And so one of the other things that we're looking at through shamanic healing is to remove those dams 
in a somewhat graceful way to allow those pent-up emotions to flow through and be released so that you can develop a healthy relationship with the full complement of your emotional life. And so this is the reason that we would bring shamanism into our path of transforming depression. So I want to thank you all for joining me today. I hope that you feel more and more comfortable with shamanism and more and more willing to bring it into your life. You can click on my new banner on my page there on Voice America and schedule a session if you'd like to deal with some of these issues long distance. Um, You can find shamans in your own area to do it. Do not hesitate. We're all over the place and we're happy to help you. And shamanism has a great effect on depression. So I'd like to thank the ancestors for being with us here today, the energy of the earth and the energy of the sky and the heart that unites us all. And I also want to invite you to next week's show with our guest Gina Ogden, who will be offering a delightful show and a powerful show on using shamanism to help us in our sexual healing. So thank you all for joining me on Why Shamanism Now. I look forward to your presence 